trust the movement. I negate the chaos. Uplift the negative. I'll show up at the table again and again. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio. Conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding. And today I'm talking with Sharon M. Scott, co-founder and general manager of the low-power community radio station, Art FM, WXOX 97.1 FM in Louisville, Kentucky. WXOX is a non-commercial radio station committed to providing access to the airwaves for creative and experimental use. Sharon Scott's radio advocacy has been covered by sources such as New York Times, The Hill, and The Chronicle of Higher Education. And she just published her new book and primer, Low Power FM for Dummies. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio. Hi, thank you so much for having me. In October, we both attended the 2023 Grassroots Radio Conference in Charleston, West Virginia, hosted by community radio station WTSQ 88.1 LPFM. This was my first conference, and I was inspired by meeting new community radio folks, the excellent presentations, exhibits, performances, and the opportunity to hear Amy Goodman of Democracy Now! And you were attending, presenting, and kicking off your newly published book, Low Power FM for Dummies. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's such an honor. And that was such a wonderful place to to bring it into the world with so many wonderful radio folks and many of the contributors in in attendance. That was perfect timing. Yeah, it really was. Well, Sharon, talk about your experience getting into community radio. Well, uh, that's a long story. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. But I started in college radio. Um, In fact, I started listening to community radio in high school, kind of on the school bus, riding from the suburbs over to my to my prospective schools and really connecting with the, you know, on my little Walkman, connecting with these radio stations, these voices, these college voices that were so different than anything I was hearing on commercial radio. You know, these people were seemed kind of like me and they seemed to like the music that I liked and introducing me to music I couldn't hear on commercial radio. So really it was in high school on the school bus that I fell in love with college and community radio. And then when it was time for me to find the college to go to, um, I was not at all sold on the the college that I ended up going to. Um, My mom tells the funny story about how we pulled up in Nashville, Tennessee, in front of Vanderbilt University. And I had complained the whole time I didn't want to go there. And then I woke up as soon as I woke up, you know, I slept in the way there and I woke up and I saw a Tower Records. And she says, as soon as I saw that record store, I said, okay, I can go to school here. (laughs) Then then the tour proceeded to, to take us by the college radio station there. And the tour guide told us that students could have a radio show. And I raised my hand and said, can freshmen have a radio show? And he said, yes, absolutely. And that was it. And I was totally sold on Vanderbilt University, went there mainly for the radio station, which was not, they don't have a radio program, but it was sort of an extracurricular thing. And just really loved the community that I found there, the ability to speak my mind, you know, play whatever weird music I wanted to play and um, just love the freedom of that. It wasn't something I had ever, you know, really realized was out there the opportunity to do something like that. So I really fell in love with that that opportunity. And 
many years later, uh, graduated, you know, thinking that my radio experience there was the best education I had gotten out of the whole thing. Um, and then we heard through the grapevine and social media that the school was going to sell the license for that was WRVU 91.1 FM in Nashville. Very powerful radio station had uh, 14,500 watts, which is a lot. We'll be talking about how we're scrambling for just 100 watts these days. So that was a very powerful station. The alumni gathered together when we heard that the uh, university was trying to sell it and said, no, please, you know, this is such a great educational resource for the students. We all learned so much from it. We had CNN acres, brain surgeons, Facebook executives all chiming in to say that this was so valuable for their college career. But nevertheless, uh, the university was continuing to try to sell the frequency to a local NPR station. And I went to the grassroots radio conference in 2011. And that's when I found out about the LPFM movement and that there was going to be, you know, um, I just remember being there and Jim Ellinger, Radio Jim of Austin Airwaves, him hearing my story about trying to save this college frequency. And he literally said, forget it. It's gone. Forget about it. If the university has already announced it, they've already got the plans in the work. So, but the great thing is, is that there's this new LPFM thing happening. He explained to me first, he was very, I mean, he just dashed my hopes at everything. And then he said, but if you already have a nonprofit, you all can apply for an LPFM and it might be not as powerful as what the students had before, but at least they'll be on the FM dial. So that's how I found out about the LPFM opportunity. We got our organization to apply. The university did sell uh, WRVU's license, but our group started a new LPFM, and that's now WXNA in Nashville. And they were they've consistently been voted uh, the best radio station in Music City, USA, by the Nashville Scene, which is the big paper creative paper there. Ever since. So that's a real success story. You know, turning something horrible into something positive, and. Um, as I was driving, I was living in Louisville at the time. And as I was driving back and forth between Louisville and Nashville, I thought, well, why don't we make a station here too? And so I started talking with people in the Louisville community. Uh, Would you be interested in an arts-focused station? And overwhelmingly, the response was yes, and started getting people to invest time and energy into building this thing. And um, so we started our own LPFM here in Louisville, Kentucky, which is WXXLP. So you were one of the originators. Yes. So um, my husband and myself and our son, Max, are really the ones who started uh, WXOX. It's a real family project. Um, Sean, my husband, does most of the technical stuff. And I do a lot of the scheduling and FCC training and all that kind of thing. Um, and our son, Max, is just there for the, the whole ride. <laughs> so he's grown up literally under the soundboard, but learned how to do everything pretty well. But then there's a lot of other people. We have a wonderful board of directors that have, most of them have been with us the entire time. Uh, we have 120 volunteer DJs and um, just a community that really supports us a lot. And we'd love to bring the community in, get them on the airwaves, let them talk about what's interesting to them or what they're up to. And um, it's just, it's been a wonderful experience. <laughs> Well, I know that Louisville has a really strong theater world. Do you interface with the uh, theater world as well? Yeah, we do. We've had, um, we don't have it at this time. We don't have an actual theater show, but we have in the past have troops of actors um, get together and um, they make one week just talk about the shows they're in around town and another week actually perform a radio play on air. We've had that happen several times and I love that. That's so cool. We had one DJ and he just did a special where he found some radio plays from the 1940s. He 
invited friends to dress up from that time period. And then he turned our performance area into like a 1940s living room, complete with an old radio and carpets and rocking chairs. And then his wife actually is Damaris Phillips. She's a famous chef on uh, on TV and she's a wonderful supporter of our station. And she cooked things, you know, that you might've served at a party during that era. And then they proceeded to go on air and do radio. You know, they did about three radio plays that night and people had just kind of gotten the script that night and it was just a, a really cool and they turned out amazing. Um, so yeah, we love to incorporate drama on the airways. That's a really important history of radio that has uh, kind of faded away, but but it's still really powerful and fun and interesting when you do it on air. Well, what is the focus at WXOX? Well, we're, you know, the concept was when we first started the station is that artists don't really have the opportunity to get on air um, and just experiment with the airwaves, see what can we do with this medium? What does it mean to communicate with so many people at once? How can we push this medium in different ways that isn't just playing music or relaying news? You know, how can you really dig in and think about what does radio mean? And one thing is communicating with so many people at once and this this kind of conversation that's going on between the listener and the DJ, even though it's kind of invisible and intangible. Um, so we really wanted to focus on the art of radio itself. And then from there, it goes into just arts in general. When we have talk shows, we have a number of talk shows that are mainly dealing with artists, local artists and their exhibitions and what they're doing. We bring artists in, visiting artists in when they're coming through town and get them to, we just had a really amazing, Nathan Felix is a contemporary opera composer, self-taught opera composer. And he did an interactive opera at the local Speed Art Museum on Friday. And we had him in before that to kind of tell everybody what was going on. And then we'll go out and we'll live broadcast events. Jim James was just of My Morning Jacket was just performing downtown in Louisville at the Festival of Face opening. And we were able to live broadcast that event from there. So we're just trying to amplify the arts in our town. Um, and then we also think that art is kind of everything like math and science can all be art as long as the person is approaching it creatively. So pretty much anything is game. Really, you never know what's going to happen on this station. And that's that sounds awesome. And in your station, you actually have, do you have a video so that these live performances can go out video as well? Well, we really just focus on the audio side. Just on the audio. Yeah, we um, occasionally the DJs or if there's a special event, we might live stream it on social media or something. But for the most part, we are just focused on the audio. Okay, excellent. So you have been in community LP radio since you were in high school and you're immersed in it and you love it. What was the um, turning point when you decided to actually write this book, Low Power FM for Dummies? <laughs> I got an email and it was one sentence long and they said, do you want to write a Low Power FM for Dummies? <laughs> and I got it over, it was actually last, I guess it was last Christmas break and I was kind of like, almost thought it was a joke, you know, <laughs> so little information and whatever. And I said, well, I'm interested, you know, but I need to know more. And, and they actually responded and they really were Wiley Press and they really were interested in me writing this book. I've learned later they don't accept proposals. They only go out and find people that they consider experts in their field to write these books. So I think it's it was flattering, first of all, that they thought of me. Not really sure how that came down the line. But it is something I've wanted to do for a long time, which was just kind of write down how the, all this is done and how we keep it all together, provide a guidebook for other folks who are getting into this world. Because most of us who are starting LPFM stations, um, probably WGRN as well, we're just kind of 
okay, we got this license. Now what do we do with it? You know, how do we build our station? How do we manage volunteers? How do we fundraise? How do we deal with all the technical stuff? And that was stuff that we all just learned by doing, I think, all of our stations. And we'd get together at the Grassroots Radio Conference and share ideas. And then we'd go back to our stations and kind of just be on our own um, trying to figure it out. So I always saw the need for this. And the last time there's been a manual for community radio was 1978 with um, Lorenzo Malam's book called Sex and Broadcasting. It has everything to do with broadcasting, nothing to do with sex, but, you know, the <laughs> 1970s. So um, that was really in that was really the last time anyone's really sat down to write a how to run a community radio station. So it was long overdue. And we had the station manual. And that was what my saving grace, because this book was written in six months from the contract to deciding on what the cover, we had six months to get it done, which was really intense. And I never could have done it if I didn't already have the ArtFM station manual. So really, this book is kind of an outgrowth of our station manual that we use here at ArtFM. And you had created that manual. Yes. Yeah. Over years. Um, yeah. Over. We've been on air 10 years online. So as soon as we started online is when the, the manual started developing. So really, the book is like 10 years in the work, works, even though it just came together in six months. Where can people get that book? Uh, so they can get it. Um, I highly recommend check out your local bookstore. We want to try to support local bookstores as much as possible. Love them. I know our local bookstore in Louisville is Carmichael's Books, and they have it on the shelves there. And they can also order it if they don't have it. She tells me lots of local bookstores can order it for you. So do that yeah. if you can. There's also It's also available on Amazon, of course. And Barnes & Noble is carrying it in their stores. Okay, good. So can you give us a brief history of the LP for Community Radio? Just how did it get started? I know pirates yeah. were involved. Yeah, it's a really long story. I know we have limited it here. So I'll put it briefly in that pirate radio broadcasters um, realized that there were empty spots on the dial and they were getting themselves on those empty spots on the dial without a license. And then subsequently they would get in trouble with the FCC, fines, potential jail time and all that. And ultimately, they went to the FCC, led by Pete Tredish and the Prometheus Radio Project. They led a series of marches and protests and things like this up in D.C. in front of Congress, in front of FCC headquarters, and basically said, if you don't give us a legal means for getting on the air, we're going to do it illegally. And um, they had the backup to do it. They had people you know, ready that were working on pirate stations. And they really just did this beautiful series of acts in front of Congress and the FCC, bringing radios and marches and puppets, and just really demanded people's access to the airwaves and that we would have a chance to get radio stations. And finally, the, um, the FCC um, agreed. And then it took a long time to get Congress to agree. I think it took 18 years to get wow. this legislation through. But God bless the people who kept Prometheus Radio Project and all the people who kept that fire burning and made it happen for us. So it's a really a rare, unique, hard worked for opportunity here. And that's why we're really trying to get people to take advantage of it. What is LP? Low power. Low power. So yeah. that means, um, so again, we're trying to sneak in these small spots on the dial in between the big commercial stations that are open. And so they have to be low power. It's 100 watts at 100 feet um, is basically what we're limited to. And that's a formula that if you go higher than 100 feet on your tower, then you have to go lower on your power and vice versa. But in Louisville, our, our frequency, we are downtown Louisville and we cover the entire metropolitan area. So even with that small amount of wattage, you can really get a lot of, a lot of coverage. You got a good tower right in the center, huh? 
Yeah, we do. Yes. Uh, thanks to Occam Design. They they found the day we got our license granted, there was an article about it in the paper and they called us up and said, hey, we have a tower. We think your station sounds cool. Would you like to have your antenna here? So, and we, it's been a series of wonderful things like that has happened for our station. So it's interesting when you give to your community, how much they give back to you. And most of the people are volunteers, right? Right. In, in these radio stations. Yeah, most, I mean, most of these LPFM, so, so they're scattered across the country. This We're coming up on the third low power FM window where nonprofit organizations can apply for these frequencies. And that will be December 6th through the 15th. And that's a nationwide thing. And we have created a website. It's called LPFM Resources. And that if anyone is interested in starting a community radio station, that'll give you the basics of what you need to do. There is still time, although not much. You can, in fact, even still start your own nonprofit if you don't have one yet. Get that done. And, you know, as long as you get that done, incorporate with your state. That can happen in a few days through the Secretary of State website. You do not have to be a federal 501c3 tax exempt. That takes a lot longer. So don't do that yet. Eventually you can. But you just want to get your nonprofit status. And if you have that already, then you can apply through the FCC website. But go to LPFM Resources. That will tell you what you need. There's a few qualifications. I mean, you just have to, you can't have been a pirate broadcaster before and things like that. There's a few little things. So check out that website. And I would highly encourage any organization that is interested in getting on the FM dial to go ahead and apply, try it. There's no fee to apply. There's no government fees to be on an LPFM station. And you'll have three years to decide what your station is going to sound like, how you're going to fundraise for it and all that sort of stuff. So, and then if three years you decide you don't want to do it, you can pass it along to another nonprofit organization, but there probably will not be another chance beside that. This is the third time the government has opened a big national window like this. The last one was 10 years ago. And after this one, it's a good chance all the frequencies will be gone. So this very well could be the very last time. So unfortunately it's coming up really quickly and people want to be like, oh, maybe I'll do it next time. The thing is, there probably won't be a next time. So if they want a station, now is the time to do it. Today is the day. Today is the day. Seize the opportunity. What is that website again? LPFM what? Resources. LPFMresources.com. We'll put that in all our social media. So people can that. Common Frequency is a nonprofit organization that has an engineer on staff. And they're right now really, they're still looking for nonprofits to apply and they will help you through the entire process. Um, Common frequency. mm -hmm, And it's Mm commonfrequency.org. Okay, good. I'll make sure that that gets out to them. Yeah. So I just really want to encourage everyone. It's been such, I don't know if I even answered the question you asked, (laughs) but I know we're limited in time. So I just want to encourage anyone listening to this If they've ever had a dream to start a radio station, or even if they're just hearing about it now for the first time, do it and we can help you. There's a great, at the Grassroots Radio is a great community of people who are willing to help you. The book is there to help lots of organizations. And um, even though you may not have any experience whatsoever in radio, we'd totally be willing to help you make it happen. Your book, Low Power FM for Dummies, really is comprehensive. I mean, from setting up a nonprofit to finding a place to put your tower to more detailed aspects of radio. I got into this as a activist who's been working on protecting water from frack waste injection wells in our Columbus metro area. So good. Thank you. And I was invited to create a radio show um, by WGRN. So I'm going by the seat of my pants 
for five years almost now and doing this show, interviewing activists and people doing important work that are on the front lines. So So your book is very exciting to me because I'm learning so much about what I've been involved with for five years. Right. I feel like it will help me be more active in the radio community radio um, station I'm involved with too. Well, good. I'm so glad to hear that because it's mainly geared. I mean, the purpose of the book is someone starting a station, the A to Z of how you do it. But there's a lot of stuff in there for for programmers and you know people who are maybe not running the whole thing, but they can pick up some good tips. And it's also good, you know, it's called a low power FM for dummies, but it's good for community radio stations of any size. And it's also good for people with internet uh, broadcasting. So, you know, I think it has a broader reach than the title might imply. So what are some of the types of groups of people that actually do get these licenses, these low power FM? Well, you know, there's um, wonderful groups like like yours at WGRN that's, you know, you all are very interested in um, environmental issues. And I think that's so cool to have a radio station that's focused on that. Um, there's there's another one that's WHIV in New Orleans, and they, that is run by an infectious diseases doctor. And their mission is to get the word out about prevention of infectious diseases. Um, They do a lot of music and fun stuff too. It's not always, you know, you think, well, that might might be a pretty heavy radio station, but it ends up, you know, they really bring a lot of entertainment and interesting stuff into it as well. Of course, we're focused on the arts. A lot of stations are very free form. You mentioned volunteers. Yes. Characteristically in these stations, almost all the DJs are volunteers. Um, And a lot of times the management is as well. It's just people who love doing it and they're doing it because they want to give this to their community. So most of the stations are run by volunteer DJs, and then a lot of them are freeform and just allowing the DJs to play whatever they want to play, you know, within FCC guidelines, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, So these stations could change from punk rock to classical, hip hop to country, you know, all just within the matter of a few hours. So that's what I think is really cool about them is not only is each radio station very unique in itself, but each show on the station has its own very distinct personality as well. So it's it's cool. <laughs> I mean, LPFM is amazing. I was interested to know that Indigenous communities have radio stations, have access to radio stations, and some federal agencies as well. Ooh, yeah. um, so I do encourage, like um, Sharon has said, if you're interested in starting a radio, st- getting a license and starting a radio, get it in now because this window is open every 10 years and it's only a week, yeah. you know? So um, you need to reach out um, to lpfmresources.com, commonfrequency.org and get Sharon's book, Low Power FM for Dummies. And there's a lot of folks out there that are environmentalists and you have to be nonprofit, but you don't have to be a, a 501c3. Correct. Yes. And you mentioned tribes and government agencies are also able to apply. So if you're one of those groups, I'd say just go for it. Why not? Go for it. The application is not that hard. We're there to help you. And, you know, why not try for it? And if it doesn't work out in three years, you can pass it along to somebody else and maybe they can make it happen. So we really, we really, it's just important to claim these airwaves for the people while we still can, because otherwise, if we don't, they're going to go back to the FCC and probably get gobbled up by big commercial stations. So, okay, folks. Let's get on it today. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, but what, for instance, if our listeners get this broadcast after the deadline, what can folks do if they don't get a license and they can they still broadcast? 
Well, they can, um, they can, of course, volunteer. They can try to see if there's already an LPFM in their community or one that's starting. And if so, they will probably be looking for volunteer DJs and folks to help behind the scenes. If that's not the case, there's always online broadcasting. People are really doing a great job with online stations these days. I really, I'm still very dedicated to FM. I think there's a lot of advantages of that. But it's wonderful that people can start online stations and connect with folks all over the world. So um, that's a really great, fun thing to do, too. So, yeah, if you miss the window or you don't get this FM, I'd encourage you to go ahead and try with your online station. See what happens. You know, you said you started with college radio. Mm-hmm. Are college students still listening and creating radio? I mean, social media, TikTok, you know, YouTube. Our college, our college radio stations still vibrant. Yes, they are. I think they really are. We um, we just did a webinar the other night, and we had students from Dartmouth University on the line, ready to basically Dartmouth sold their FM frequencies a number of year, a few years ago, and the these are young students. Yeah, they're like really upset about that. Even though you think like that's an old technology, no, they recognize the value of the FM, and they want to get it back. So they're going to try to apply for an LPFM to replace that. Um, and yeah, I think that that you can definitely, I would encourage people to go look up college stations, listen into their stream online, and you can tell that the students are still really engaged. They, it's an opportunity for them to put their voice out there. You know, they're not just, well, most of the day, they're just seeing things and consuming things, but to actually put their voice out there and have their voice amplified and the things that are important to them getting attention, I think they love it. They love radio. The student, the young people we have on air really enjoy it. I think the reason people are moving, young people are moving away from radio because the content just isn't there and they have more options. But if radio starts offering them the content that they like, like their friends on the air and stuff like that, they'll tune in. What about political stuff, Sharon? Mm-hmm. Aren't there some regulations that prohibit open pol- political? Yes. On an LPFM station, if we have, we we cannot endorse one particular party or in particular bill, anything that's actively being voted on, we cannot give our opinion on that. We can inform the public, how do they vote or here are these are the issues and things like that, but we cannot in any way sway them. If we have a candidate on air and we want to interview them, which which is great, we can do that. We have to have every single one of their opponents on air as well and with equal airtime. You know, that's a lot. But a lot of stations do it. And there are certain stations that that's their thing as they really want to inform people about the pol- local politics. And so they're having, you know, a lot of these great discussions on air with, with opposing candidates and things like that. So it's not always just pretty songs. It can, it can get pretty intense. Oh, well, my show is very progressive. So the folks that I have on are progressive folks. So I, I'm not all sides. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm primarily very progressive people yes. and, and issues, but I do have to be careful of certain things. So my station manager is always telling me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's good. It's cool. It, it's wonderful to have these shows that are pushing the boundaries, you know, but you just have to know what the boundaries are, you know, and that's right. But they're, you know, we're very lucky in America. You know, I've spent some time in Cuba and I've seen how radio in an authoritarian world is just can just be really controlled by the people playing something they want you to hear and ideas they want you to have in your brain. And it's really wonderful that we in the United States have this opportunity to speak freely and speak freely about things that might upset some people or whatever. But the First Amendment is quite an amazing thing. So what gets you up, gets you going? and staying in the low power community radio. 
I love it. I love to turn, get up out of bed and turn on the radio and not know exactly what I'm going to hear, you know, and, and know that there's someone on the other end of that radio and they're, you know, maybe it's a cold, snowy morning and they're waking up and, and having to pull themselves out of their warm bed and get to work or whatever it is. And just having that kind of communion with somebody on air, they may not even know I'm listening, but I'm, you know, I'm there with them in the same kind of audio space. And then hearing the music that they're playing and all just that is just like a really beautiful thing to me. And so I just love having this station waking up in the morning and turning it on and hearing familiar voices and and hearing people talk about stuff that's really important to them playing music that like might be a little bit strange, but you're not hearing on commercial radio. I don't know, that's just really inspiring and exciting to me. And so that's, that's what makes it all worthwhile. Well, Sharon, that's our time. And I thank you so much for joining us. I loved it. This has been such a great conversation. I know we could talk forever and um, hopefully we'll continue it again soon. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio with Sharon M. Scott, co-founder and general manager of Art FM, WXOX 97.1 FM, Louisville, Kentucky. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN LPFM, we air at 2 p.m. on Sundays at WCRSFM LPFM, Columbus, and at 4 p.m. at WEJPLP, Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up fight back. I'm down, I'm down, I'm down.